Welcome to the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, and I'm excited to be joined by my friend and co-host, Zen Garcia, for our continuing study on the book of Genesis and supporting ancient Hebrew texts and all that good stuff. So, hey, Zen, are you there? I am, brother. It's a pleasure and honor to be here with you and the listening audience to continue our dialogue. It's a, been a good time up until this point, and it's always a learning um you know, learning opportunity. So yeah, for glad sure. Glad to be here. Awesome. How's your week been since last we spoke? Really productive. Um, yeah, getting a lot done with different projects, and you know, still focused on getting some of the those other books out um, as far as the biblical cosmology and the support of it. And so excited for you know for people to to have a chance to check out this new material especially now with uh flatlanders coming out and they're yeah. you know uh completing that project and uh, really excited to see and how that impact um on community and world uh with you know, all of their efforts too um definitely professionally done and uh excellent as far as you know the cast and the the people and all of the information that is uh, bound together, wrapped up in that one project, it should be pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I thought when uh, we were interviewed for that that it was a, it was going to be a movie project, but I think they've got so much material that they felt like, yeah, let's do a little mini series, like a little television series out of it. And uh, I did get the email on that this week also, and saw the little teaser that they put out. Um, what's the date on the release? Do you know? No, I don't know exactly as to when it is um, being released. I, I just know that there is trailer, you know, now available for people to go and check out, and they can search um, by the Flatlanders, and um, and also that those of us that were involved in the project can set up to where I guess we can engage, um, you know, and have conversation with all those that might want to inquire about whatever hmm. uh, but that's as far as um, all that I know as of yet um, but you know it shouldn't be shouldn't be long yeah well I'll be keep my eyes out for that as well that uh, certainly sounds exciting uh, you know I haven't been in involved much in any of that kind of research and everything for the last well, at least a year, but maybe a little longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it seemed like it kind of, you know, died out. Of course, with COVID and everything last year, everything kind of stalled out. Um, but it's nice to see that there's uh, several people are putting out some pretty solid documentaries, that and, and well done. You know, from a production standpoint, they right. look pretty good. So uh, it seems like everybody's kind of regrouped and like, okay, let's uh, let's start putting our stuff out now. So it's exciting, you know. Looking forward to seeing more of that, hopefully. Yeah, I think so, um, especially since, you know, as you said, they did interview and cast so many people and brought yeah. all of those individuals together. And then, 
you know, who who even knows? Because uh, all of us spoke about and covered so many different things in a wide variety in regard to the topic. So it's going to be intriguing to see how it comes together and how they present it and how also um, the world uh, will, you know, how they will be receptive to that information. And so it, at least it's a, a serious effort, not mm -hmm. like, you know, those that uh, already had an agenda going into um, and just wanted to uh, show and portray our community as being insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Well, been busy on my end as well. And, uh, you know, now that I've got the first teaser wrapped up, I've been submitting it to film festivals and stuff. Uh, I That's think awesome, I, I don't remember if I mentioned that last week or not, but I've uh, yeah. Yeah, submitted it to 17 different film festivals in multiple categories and, uh, you know, see what's going to happen with that. And, you know, we've got other things in the work we're, we're not going to share with anybody yet, but just to say that we're doing some things behind the scenes and having some cool phone calls today and all week, actually, that uh, if we're able to pull together what we're planning, it's going to be really awesome <laughs> moving forward. Yes. So. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm excited for all of that as well. It's just, it's good to see, you know, groups coming together and working on behalf of the kingdom and exploring opportunities and platforms and different things that you know are still non-existent and so looking forward to uh to just you know the future and uh, working on behalf of the most high yeah uh, somebody in the chat room was like how's that bitcoin going for you guys huh yeah well uh, it's expected <laughs> still actually. up six times over yeah i mean it's still significantly awesome uh even though it's mm -hmm. taken a pretty big nosedive but the current right. nosedive is expected. I mean, I don't think anybody in the community didn't expect it. And we, we mm -hmm. it, it's if you just go back through the entire history of Bitcoin, it's done that. You know, it shoots up to a certain right. plateau. Exactly. It it dives down, but it never goes down as far as it did the previous time. And then when it shoots back up, it shoots past whatever it was at the previous high. So, you know, we're we're in the dip right now, which is cool. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, uh, good opportunity for others that did not have a chance to get in yeah but it's it'll bounce back um i, mm -hmm. I, I don't think yeah. i don't think any serious person in the community is is you know worried worried in the slightest uh, right not, not yeah. at all so um all right uh i was looking to see where we left off last week and we ended it with me on your show reading genesis 36 and 37 from the king james so uh, I guess this week we can start off with the Targum from 36 and 37, and then I'll uh, probably during the next break look and see what I can queue up for either Jubilees or Joshua. All right, let me share screen. Yeah. Okay, the Targum, chapter 36. These are the genealogies of Esau, who is called Edom. Esau took wives of the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittah, and Ahalibama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Sibion, the Hiva, and Basimoth, the daughter of Ishmael, whom Nebaioth, her brother, gave to him. And Ada bare to Esau Eliphaz, and Basimoth bare Ruel, and Halibama bare to Esau 
Jehus, and Jalem, and Korak. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. And Esau had taken his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the souls of his house and his flocks and his cattle and all the substance which he had gotten in the land of Canaan and had gone into another land. For there fell upon him a fear of Jacob his brother, for their possessions would be too great for them to dwell together. Neither would the land of their sojourning maintain them on account of their flocks. And Esau dwelt in the mountain of Gabal. He is Esau, the prince of the Edomites. And these are the kindreds of Esau, the prince of the Edomites, the place of whose dwelling was in the mountain of Gabal. These are the names of the sons of Esau, Eliphaz, Barada, wife of Esau, Ruel, Bar Basamath, wife of Esau, and the sons of Eliphaz were Timan, Omar, Zephu, and Gatam, and Kenaz, and Timnah. And Timnah was the concubine of Eliphaz Bar Esau, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. He is Eliphaz, the companion of Job. These are mm. the sons of Ada. Wow, it comes right out tells you. Right, yeah. Uh, these are the sons of Ada, wife of Esau. And these are the sons of Ruel, Nakash, and Zarak, Shammah, and Misa. These are the sons of Basimah, wife of Esau. And these are the sons of Alabama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Sebion, wife of Esau. And she bare to Esau. Jehus, Jalem, and Korak. These are the chieftains of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, Rabbi Temnan, Rabbi Omar, Rabbi Zephu, Rabbi Kenaz, Rabbi Korak, Rabbi Gatam, Rabbi Amalek. These are the chieftains of Eliphaz, whose habitation was in the land of Edom. They are the sons of Ada, and these are the sons of Ruel, Bar Esau, Rabbi Nakath, Rabbi Zarak, Rabbi Shammah, Rabbi Mizah. These are the chieftains of Ruel, whose habitation was in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Basimah, wife of Esau. And these are the sons of Alibama, wife of Esau. Rabbi Jeush, Rabbi Jalam, Rabbi Korak. These are the chieftains of Alabama, daughter of Ada, wife of Esau. These are the sons of Esau, and these their chieftains. He is the father of the Edomites. These are the sons of Gabal, the generations who before that had dwelt in that land, Lotan and Shobal and Sebion, and Anna, and Dishon, and Etzer, and Dishon. These are the chieftains of the generations of the sons of Gabal, whose habitation was of old in the land of the Edomites. And the sons of Lotan were the Kori, and Heman, and the sister of Lotan was Timnah. And these are the sons of Shobal, Alvan, and Manakoth, and Ibal, 
Shepho and Onam, and these are the sons of Sebion, Aja and Anna. He is Anna who coupled the Onagers with the Sheasses, and after a time found mules which had come forth from them when he was tending the asses of Sebion, his father. And these are the children of Anna. Deshon and Alibama was the daughter of Anna, and these are the sons of Deshon, Hemden and Jisban, and Jithran and Karan. These are the sons of Etzer, Bilan, and Zaban, and Akan. These are the sons of Deshan, Hutz, and Aram. These are the chieftains of the families, Rabbi Lotan, Rabbi Shabal, Rabbi Sebion, Rabbi Anna, Rabbi Deshon, Rabbi Etzer, Rabbi Deshan. These are the chieftains of the families according to their principalities, whose habitation was of old in the land of Gablav. These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the sons of Israel. In Edom reigned Biliam, the son of Behor, and the name of the city of the house of his kingdom was Denaba. And Bela died, and in his stead reigned Jobab, the son of Zerach of Botsra. And Jobab died, and in his stead reigned Husham of the south country. And Husham died, and in his stead reigned Hadad, the son of Badad, who slew the Midianites when they arrayed, when he arrayed war with them in the fields of Moab. And the name of the city of the house of his kingdom was Avith. And Hadad died, and in his stead reigned Simla of Masrekah. And Simla died, and instead of him reigned Shal, who was of Rohoboth on the Farat. And Shal died, and in his stead reigned Baal Hanan bar Akbor. And Baal Hanan bar Akbor died, and instead of him reigned Harar. And the name of the city of the house of his kingdom was Pahu. And the name of his wife was Mehetabel the daughter of Matred. He was the man who labored with perseverance and vigilance, and who, after he had become wealthy and had gotten riches, turned to become more lofty in his heart, saying, What is silver and what is gold? Jerusalem. And after him reigned Hadar, and the name of his city Pahu, and the daughter of Matred, the daughter of the changer of gold, the man who perseverance all the days of his life, but who after he had eaten and was satisfied, converted and said, what is gold and what is silver? And these are the names of the chieftains of Esau after their kindreds, after the place of their habitation, with their names, Rabbi Timnah, Rabbi Alva, Rabbi Jetheth, Rabbi Ahalibama, Rabbi Elah, Rabbi Finon, Rabbi Kinaz, Rabbi Timan, Rabbi Mizazar, Rabbi Magdiel. He was called Magdiel from the name of his city, whose Migdol tower was strong. Rabbi Hiram. These are the chieftains of Edom according to their habitations in the land of their possession. 
He is Esau, the father of the Edomites. All right, and then... Were you saying rabbi or or another word? Rabba. Rabba? Yeah, rabba. Rabba, yeah. so that's like the duke of the, the King James, duke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, 37. I'm glad that was over. And <laughs> yeah, Jacob, glad it was you this time. I had to do it last time. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and Jacob dwelt in peace in the land of the sojourning of his fathers in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph was a son of 17 years. He had come forth from the school and was a youth brought up with the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought their evil report, for he had seen them eat the flesh that had been torn by wild beasts, the ears and the tails, and he came and told it to his father. And Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons, because the likeness of Joseph resembled his own. And he made him a figured robe, Jerusalem, a figured robe. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, and they cherished enmity against him and were unwilling to speak peacefully with him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and declared it to his brethren, and they added yet to keep enmity against him. And he said to them, Hear now this dream which I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the midst of the field, and lo, my sheep arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves surrounded and bowed to my sheaf Jerusalem were binding sheaves and his brother said to him art thou thinking to reign over us or dost thou expect to have rule over us and they added yet to keep enmity against him for his dream and for his words and he dreamed again another dream and told it to his brothers and said behold I have dreamed yet a dream and lo the sun and the moon and eleven stars bowed to me and he related it to his father and to his brethren but his father rebuked him and said to him what dream is this that thou hast dreamed shall I and thy mother and thy brethren really come and bow before thee to the ground and his brothers envied him yet his father kept the saying in his heart and his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem and it was at that time of days that Israel said to Joseph do not thy brethren feed in Shechem? But I am afraid, lest the Hivai come and smite them, because they smote Hamor and Shechem and the inhabitants of the city. Come now, and I will send thee to them. And he said, Behold me. And he said, Go, see the welfare of your brethren, and the welfare of the flock, and return me word to the deep counsel. But he sent him according to the deep counsel which was spoken to Abraham in Ebron. For on that day began the captivity of Misraim. And Joseph arose and came to Shechem, and Gabriel, in the likeness of a man, found him wandering field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brothers. Show me, pray, where they feed. And the man said, They have journeyed hence. For I heard beyond the veil that, behold, from today, would begin the servitude to the Mizraim. And it was said to them in prophecy, Hivai would seek to set battle in array against them. Therefore said they, We will go unto Dothan. And Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. And they saw him from afar before he had come 
nigh to them and plotted against him to kill him. And Shimeon and Levi, who were brothers in counsel, said each man to his brother, Behold, this master of dreams cometh, and now come, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits, and say that an evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will be the interpretation of his dreams. And Reuben heard and delivered him from their hands, and said, We will not kill him, nor become guilty of his blood. And Reuben said, Let us not shed innocent blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but the hand of the slayer stretched not forth against him, because he would deliver him from their hand and restore him to his father. And when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his garment, the figured garment that was on him, and took and threw him into the pit. But the pit was empty. No water was therein, but serpents and scorpions were in it. And they sat around to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a band of Arabians, Jerusalem, a band of Saracens, were coming from Gilead with their camels, carrying wax, resin, balsam, and stacti, proceeding to go into Misraim. And Yehuda said to his brethren, What profit of Mammon should we have if we killed our brother and covered his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Arabians, and our hands shall not be upon him to kill him. For our brother is our own flesh, and his brethren agreed, and the Midianite men, masters of business, passed by. And they drew and brought up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Arabians for twenty mahin of silver. And they bought sandals of them, and they brought Joseph to Mithraim. And Reuben returned to the pit, for he had not been with them, to assist when they sold him because he had sat fasting on account that he had confounded the couch of his father, and he had gone and sat among the hills that he might return to the pit and bring him up for his father, if happily he might avert his anger. But when he had returned and looked, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, he rent his clothes and returned to his brethren and said, The youth is not. And I whither shall I go, and how shall I see the look of my father's face? But they took the garment of Joseph and killed a kid of the goats, because his blood is like the blood of a man. And they dabbled the garment in the blood, and they sent it by the hand of the sons of Zilpha, and of the sons of Bilah, the figured garment, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's garment or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's garment. A beast of the wilderness hath not devoured him, neither hath he been slain by the hand of man. But I see by the Holy Spirit that an evil woman standeth against him, Jerusalem. And he discerned it and said, It is my son's garment, yet a wild beast hath not devoured him. Neither is my son Joseph slain. But I see by the spirit of the sanctuary that an evil woman standeth against him. And Jacob rent his clothes and wrapped sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all the men of his house 
arose and went to consult him, but he refused to receive consolation and said, For I will go down to my son mourning to the house of the grave. And Isaac, his father, also wept for him. But the Midianites sold him in Misraim to Potiphar, a captain of Pharaoh, a captain of the guards, Jerusalem, to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guards. And that's it. Yep, that is 37. Okay, yeah, good timing. Got about a minute and a half before we go to the break. Um, Perfect. Yeah, that, that was interesting. A um, little bit more elaboration. Uh, and it came right out there yeah. and said during the uh, gene- genealogy part of Esau that uh, one of the guys there was the one that, uh, or one of the friends of Job. Eliphaz, yes. Uh, yep, Eliphaz. I didn't, unless I missed it, it didn't say that one of the descendants was Job, though, did it? Jobam. Um, Jobam, yeah, that's the one yeah. that mm-hmm. we've seen elsewhere that... Uh, right. We talked about that in a previous show, but I did, it didn't yeah. come out and say that in the Targum, though, did it? Or did I miss it? Yeah, I do. I believe so. I'll oh, look it, it up again while we're at break. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then the other interesting thing that I thought uh, uh, was pretty cool was that, you know, the in most of the text, it doesn't describe the man that Joseph encounters, yeah. and it described him as Gabriel, yeah. the angel Gabriel in this text. Yeah. And so that's a, another interesting bit of detail. Yeah, so the Targum says it's Gabriel, uh, and I seem to remember somewhere, maybe I'm mistaken, that it's, uh, that it was Satan in disguise. Have you read that? I don't, maybe it's, I don't know if, I don't remember what Joshua mm-hmm. said. I haven't. Or maybe I'm confusing that with uh, the story of Isaac when Satan kept dis- disguising himself. Remember when Sarah was out looking mm-hmm. for and, and uh, yeah. say, maybe I'm confusing right. the two, probably. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, well, when we come back from the break, I'll read uh, Jubilees 34 and uh, Joshua 41. All right, sounds good. The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. September 2018. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I've been using Extendivite for many years now. May 2018. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. March 2018. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. February 2018. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. 
TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. If you have hard water, the LiveScale not only leaves white spots, it clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate LimeScale and other water issues like brown staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. Once in a decade, a true story comes along that remembers the future. After six Amazon bestsellers, I have completed the epic Birth Trilogy, a true story of Earth. By reading the Birth Trilogy, you will journey with the characters from the origin of Earth to its final destiny in a white-knuckle ride that combines the intrigue of Tom Clancy with the epic scope of Prometheus and Interstellar. You will learn more about the purpose of life, the mystery of death, and the true nature of your soul than you thought possible. The Birth Trilogy is now available on Amazon and Kindle. The audio version is a free bonus when you buy the paperback, so even if you're not a great reader, don't worry about it. I read it for you. Use the Amazon app today and buy the Birth Trilogy, spelled B-E-A-R-T-H, or search for my name. I'm Brooks Agnew. You are now tuned into the truth frequency. Your protection from deception. TLR. Truth Frequency Radio. We're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I am your host, Rob Skiba, and I'm joined with Zen Garcia. We're going through the book of Genesis. In the previous segment, we read from uh, this portion of Genesis that we covered last week in the King James Version. This time, we did it in the Targum. Targum just being the Hebrew word for translation. In this case, the Aramaic Targum, the Aramaic translation. Now, I will go into, uh, let's start with Jubilees. Read the Jubilees version of this, starting in chapter 34, picking up where we left off uh, last week. In the sixth year of this week, of this 44th Jubilee, Jacob sent his sons to pasture their sheep and his servants with them to the pastures of Shechem. And the seven kings of the Amorites assembled themselves together against them to slay them, hiding themselves under the trees, and to take their cattle as prey. And Jacob and Levi and Judah and Joseph were in the house with Isaac their father, for his spirit was sorrowful, and they could not leave him. And Benjamin was the youngest, and for this reason remained with his father. And there came the kings of Tafu, the kings of 
Arasa, and the kings of Saragan, and the kings of Silo, and the kings of Gaas, and the king of Bethoron, and the king of Maanisakar, and all those who dwell in the mountains and who dwell in the woods in the land of Canaan. And they announced this to Jacob, saying, Behold, the kings of the Amorites have surrounded thy sons and plundered their herds. And he arose from his house, he and his three sons and all the servants of his father and his own servants, and he went against them with six thousand men who carried swords. And he slew them in the pastures of Shechem and pursued those who fled. And he slew them with the edge of the sword, and he slew Arisa and Tafu and Saragan and Silo and Amanasakar and Gagaas, and he recovered his herds. And he prevailed over them and imposed tribute on them that they should pay him tribute, five fruit products of their land. And he built Robel and Tamnateres. And he returned in peace and made peace with them. And they became his servants until the day that he and his sons went down into Egypt. And in the 70th year of this week, or excuse me, the seventh year of this week, he sent Joseph to learn about the welfare of his brothers from his house to the land of Shechem. And he found them in the land of Dothan. And they dealt treacherously with him and formed a plot against him to slay him. But changing their minds, they sold him to Ishmaelite merchants, and they brought him down into Egypt. And they sold him to Potiphar the eunuch of Pharaoh, the chief of the cooks, priest of the city of Elu. And the sons of Jacob slaughtered a kid and dipped the coat of Joseph in the blood and sent it to Jacob their father on the tenth of the seventh month. And he mourned all that night, for they had brought it to him in the evening, and he became feverish with mourning for his death. And he said, An evil beast hath devoured Joseph. And all the members of his house mourned with him that day, and they were grieving and mourning with him all that day. And his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted for his son. And on that day Bilhah heard that Joseph had perished, and she died mourning him, and she was living in Kafratef, and Dinah also, his daughter, died after Joseph had perished. And there came these three mournings upon Israel in one month, and they buried Bilhah over against the tomb of Rachel, and Dinah also, his daughter, they buried there. And he mourned for Joseph one year and did not cease, for he said, Let me go down to the grave mourning for my son. For this reason it is ordained for the children of Israel that they should afflict themselves on the tenth of the seventh month on the day that the news which made him weep for Joseph came to Jacob his father and they should make atonement for themselves thereon with the young goat on the tenth of the seventh month once a year for their sins for they had grieved the affection of their father regarding Joseph's son that's interesting so they attribute the day of atonement to uh, to this event right here and this day has been ordained that they should grieve thereon for their sins and for all their transgressions and for all their errors so that they might cleanse themselves on that day once a year. And after Joseph perished, the sons of Jacob took unto themselves wives. The name of Reuben's wife is Ada, and the name of Simeon's wife is Adlibah, a Canaanite. And the name of Levi's wife is Melchah of the daughters of Aram, of the seed of the sons of Terah. 
and the name of Judah's wife, Batasuel, a Canaanite, and the name of Issachar's wife, Hezakah, and the name of Zebulun's wife, Neemen, and the name of Dan's wife, Egla, and the name of Naphtali's wife, Rasu of Mesopotamia, and the name of Gad's wife, Mekah, and the name of Asher's wife, Ejona, and the name of Joseph's wife, Asenath, the Egyptian, and the name of Benjamin's wife, Ejasaka. And Simeon repented and took a second wife from Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia as his brothers. So Simeon originally had, uh, was it Simeon? Yeah, a Canaanite. So Simeon had a Canaanite wife, and then he repented, got rid of her, and got another one. So, yeah, in the next chapter of Genesis is the Judah taking a, of all the sons, right? Judah takes a <laughs> Canaanite. Um, so this is different than what um, what you read in the Targum, because in the Targum it sounded like uh, uh, Jacob didn't believe the report that he had been given a vision of the Holy Spirit and said, no, you know, he's being right, tormented right. by some evil woman and it wasn't, uh, he didn't die. So both the Genesis King James and the Jubilees account have him like seriously grieving unto death, but the Targum takes it in a different direction. So that's right. rather interesting. Yeah, it shows prophetically um, because you know he was a prophet as well. Uh, and so he had seen, and that's why he didn't believe, and he always had an inkling um, that uh, his son Joseph was still alive and that he would reunite with him. And, um, and that... You know, is made apparent in the other accounts, like the legends of the Jews, uh-huh. as well. But yes, Zulika, the the wife of Potiphar, is the the one that torments him. Yeah, uh, and um, somebody's reminding me of something um, in the chat room is, is that we got cut off last week. Like my my internet like just shut off. Boom. <laughs> and the last, oh really? It was like the last minute or two as the show uh, was ending and uh, somebody I, I totally forgot about that thank you Andrew in the chat room said I'd really like to hear what, what was cut off last week when Zen was telling us what he thinks happens after death I don't exactly remember what the conversation was um, do you remember what we were talking about um, no but we were also live streaming so you can go to the Zen Garcia on YouTube and find the exact show um, at the exact time and you should be able to hear because if your internet was cut off then at least our live stream continued. Okay, so, so, so that you, person should be able to hear. So you finished your thought and then you're like, Rob, are you there? Because <laughs> I, I couldn't right. respond because I didn't hear the, the last part of whatever right, you said. Right, right, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to go listen to it myself then. So, uh, it, yeah, I don't remember the. It's uh, it's yeah. uh, Zen Garcia is the is your YouTube channel. So if people go to uh, Zen Garcia, uh, the YouTube channel and last week's show, um, you can listen to his answer there. Um, right. And there was something else you were talking about uh, right before this break that you were gonna look into. Uh, I forgot what that was. Did you look into it? Right, uh, and it was just uh, the mention of Jobab in oh, oh, the yeah, yeah. Targum, which it does, you know, it mentions him um, as being and taking over and becoming king uh, of that land 
uh, and that he was from the line of Esau. But as far as, you know, I was looking in the lineage, and I didn't see specifically mention of him being, you know, um, born of uh, and part of that whole particular line. I just saw that mm. the mention, and Jobab died, and in his stead reigned Husham of the south country, and Husham died, and in his stead reigned Hadad, the son of Badad, who slew the Midianites. Mm. And it said so, that he had become king. So he was, yeah. uh, and we had seen that and other stuff too. I mean, boy, right, really, right. it really, you know, as I mentioned in one of the earlier broadcasts there a few weeks ago, it, learning the real story, the, the, the in-depth story of Job has like really, uh-huh. really helped me out. Uh, yeah. That was so good, man. That That's the way I felt too when I first uh, read, you know, in, in its entirety, the testament of Job and learned that, you know, this story preceded that which we see in the the King James uh, the Genesis narrative and yeah because just throwing all that on Job uh, just because of a a challenge that Satan makes that seems so just callous Yeah, Uh, and then allowing his whole family and I mean everything taken from him you know except for his life but his health his wealth his family his wife his children uh, everything completely decimated to ruin. Yeah. Um, and and just on a bet, I mean, yeah, that would seem so callous. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's what it. It really sounds like a bar bet up in heaven. Like, hey, right. you yeah, know, hey, s- hey, Satan, come here, bro. Yeah, you ever consider my? Uh, right. You ever consider my servant Job? Why don't you jack with him? See what he does. You know. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the way it reads. You know, if you just read the, yes. the King James, or you know, or any right. English translation for that matter. Uh, w- without the greater context uh, of the Testament of Job, wow! I mean, t- that that book just never like sat well with me. Right in- until we looked yeah, at it that, was, it was difficult. It was difficult to comprehend. Yeah, so uh, there's something that definitely ca- good came out of. I mean, a lot of good has come out of this series, but that was one that was really good for me, anyway. And I, 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 mm-hmm. I can imagine it probably helped a lot of people out. I think so. Uh, I think so, definitely. And to me, it also, like the story of Isaac and Abraham and how he knew beforehand that he was to be the sacrifice and that he encouraged his father to even bind him tightly so that he wouldn't go back on his promise. Because he also, you know, in challenging his brother uh, Ishmael about then, which led to the whole uh, concept of even though we know that was a foreshadow and a uh, a type and a shadow for the coming of Messiah and that truthfully the the father in heaven would you know offer as sacrifices son that Yahushua mm-hmm. would accept and play that role yeah um, and that Abraham was stopped in his willingness um, but that he knew by the promise that Isaac would bear many children and that his seed would number as the stars in heaven that somehow this was going to end up good mm-hmm. um, but yeah just you know, that's you know another side of it as well yeah. and then the whole theme of how the altar was the same one that Adam um, and the, the children Cain and Abel brought forth their offering and then Noah after the flood had um, re rebuilt 
uh, and that Abraham also utilized that same one, the same altar. It's it's intriguing to know those yeah. uh, other details. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's driving me crazy not being able to remember what last week. So I'm gonna just rewind and play like the last couple of minutes from last week's show because I, I don't. There was something I, I remember having a question and I, I never got to hear the answer to it. Let me see if I can find it. Targum says so. Yeah, next week on my show we can start you off with the Targum version of uh, this those two chapters. And um, anything you might have, maybe in the Legends of the Jews, I'd like to see what the what they have to say. Yeah, I've got um, got it already set for those two accounts, so we'll definitely pick it up and add more detail. I hope everybody enjoyed the readings. Um, certainly, you know, adding all these parallel accounts does bring forth much more of the story. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it too. You know, I've looked over some of this stuff before. Yeah. Joshua and Jubilees, of course, when I published it, you know, in the the volume mm-hmm. that we published. Um, but I was more just kind of skimming through it, you know, making sure it was generally formatted right. I wasn't really like intentionally reading it like we're doing here. So that's why so many things are jumping out at me that I didn't catch, you know, when I was just skimming it before. Right. Yeah. Oh, you never did tell me what um, your friend thought about the on the priesthood. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I, he didn't... Uh, well, after the show, I emailed him. I, I sent him the email that you sent me. So uh, uh, okay. I'll, I'll probably ask him about it um, on this coming Saturday's show. So we do the virtual house church from uh, uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Central Time on Saturdays. So, okay, uh, right yeah, I'll, I'll probably ask him. I'm sure he's going to be... I mean, that was a pretty detailed account, even though it's not very long. Right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, uh, you know, that this was hidden. Uh, and even though the the Pharisees, the Jews knew, uh, but they still, you know, they wanted to hide the truth and not reveal it, and that they would even go to war yeah. uh, to keep it all hidden. Crazy stuff. All right, brother. All right, great show. That was last week's show, and I don't, like, it, it sounded like it ended. I wonder Wonder what yeah, the people are talking. So nothing was coming. No, because I could hear the music starting up after that. Yeah, I, I do remember I though. Long that the music did come up. I, I do remember one of our shows though that ended. You know that we got cut off. Man, that's weird. Ah, uh, that's gonna drive me crazy now. So it wasn't last week's show. It must have been another one a while back. Uh, oh well. Who yeah. uh, tried to figure it out? But um, let's see here. I can go over to. Let's see, we got nine minutes. I'll go to Joshua forty-one pick up there. All right. And at the revolution of the year, the sons of Jacob journeyed from Shechem, and they came to Hebron to their father Isaac, and they dwelt there. But the their flocks and herds they fed daily in Shechem, for there was there in those days good and fat pasture. And Jacob and his sons and their household dwelt in the valley of Hebron. And it was in those days in that year, being the hundred and sixth year of the life of Jacob in the tenth year of Jacob's coming from Padan Aram, that Leah, the wife of Jacob, died. She was fifty-one years old when she died in Hebron. And Jacob and his sons buried her in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which is in Hebron, which Abraham had bought from the children of Heth for the possession of a burial place. And the sons of Jacob dwelt with their father in the valley of Hebron, and all the inhabitants of the land knew their strength and their fame went throughout the land. And Joseph, the son of Jacob, 
and his brother Benjamin, the sons of Rachel, the wife of Jacob, were yet young in those days and did not go out with their brethren during their battles in all the cities of the Amorites. And when Joseph saw the strength of his brethren and their greatness, he praised them and extolled them, but he ranked himself greater than them, and he extolled himself above them. And Jacob, his father, also loved him more than any of his sons, for he was a son of his old age, and through his love toward him he made him a coat of many colors. And when Joseph saw that his father loved him more than his brethren, he continued to exalt himself above his brethren, and he brought unto his father evil reports concerning them. So he's sitting there telling on them. Oh, man. Right. You know, which is, you know, that's pretty gutsy considering, you know, how tough these guys, these were a bunch of he-men, you know. Right. Like, in all the right. battles before, and, he, and so he saw what they did, and yet he's like tattletale on them. Wow. <laughs> and the sons of Jacob, this like little man syndrome, right? Uh, when your big brother, your, your dad loves you more. Uh, right. And the sons of Jacob, seeing the whole of Joseph's conduct toward them, and that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him all the days. And Joseph was 17 years old, and he was still magnifying himself above his brethren, and thought of raising himself above them. At that time he dreamed a dream, and he came unto his brothers and told them his dream. And he said unto them, I dreamed a dream, and behold, we were all binding sheaves in the field, and my sheaf rose and placed itself above the ground in your sheaves surrounding it, and bowed down to it. And his brethren answered him and said unto him, What meaneth this dream that thou didst dream? Dost thou imagine in thy heart to reign over, or to reign or rule over us? And he still came and told the thing to his father, Jacob. And Jacob kissed Joseph when he heard these words from his mouth. And Jacob blessed Joseph. And when the sons of Jacob saw that their father had blessed Joseph and had kissed him, and that he loved him exceedingly, they became jealous of him and hated him the more. And after this, Joseph dreamed another dream and related the dream to his father in the presence of his brethren. And Joseph said unto his father and brethren, Behold, I have again dreamed a dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed down to me. And his father heard the words of Joseph and his dream, and seeing that his brethren hated Joseph on account of this matter, Jacob therefore rebuked Joseph before his brethren on account of this thing, saying, What meaneth this dream which thou hast dreamed, and this magnifying thyself before thy brethren who are older than thou art? Dost thou imagine in thy heart that I and thy mother and thy eleven brethren will come and bow down to thee, that thou speakest these things? And his brethren were jealous of him on account of his words and dreams, and they continued to hate him. And Jacob reserved the dreams in his heart. And the sons of Jacob went one day to feed their father's flock in Shechem, for they were still herdsmen in those days. And whilst the sons of Jacob were that day feeding in Shechem, they delayed, and the time of gathering in the cattle was past, and they had not arrived. And Jacob saw that his sons were delayed in Shechem, and Jacob said within himself, Peradventure the people of Shechem have risen up to fight against them. Therefore they have delayed coming this day. And Jacob called Joseph his son and commanded him, saying, Behold, thy brethren are feeding in Shechem this day, and behold, they have not yet come back. So now go, so now, uh, go now therefore, and see where they are, and bring them word back concerning the welfare of thy brethren and the welfare of the flock. And Jacob sent his son Joseph to the valley of Hebron. And Joseph came for his brothers to Shechem, and he could not find them. And Joseph went about the field which is, was near Shechem, 
to see where his brothers had turned, and he missed his road in the wilderness, and he knew not which way he should go. And the angel of the Lord found him wandering in the road toward the field. And Joseph said unto the angel of the Lord, I seek my brethren. Hast thou not heard where they are feeding? And the angel of the Lord said unto Joseph, I saw thy brethren feeding here, and I heard them say they would go to feed in Dothan. And Joseph hearkened to the voice of the angel of the Lord, and he went to his brethren in Dothan, and he found them in Dothan feeding the flock. And Joseph advanced to his brethren, and before he had come nigh unto them, they had resolved to slay him. And Simeon said to his brethren, Behold, the man of dreams is coming unto us this day. And now, therefore, come and let us kill him, and cast him in one of the pits that are in the wilderness. And when his father shall seek him from us, we will say an evil beast has devoured him. And Reuben heard the words of his brethren concerning Joseph, and he said unto them, You should not do this thing, for how can we look up to our father Jacob? Cast him into this pit to die there. But stretch not forth a hand upon him to spill his blood. And Reuben said this in order to deliver him from their hand to bring him back to his father. And when Joseph came to his brethren, he sat before them, and they rose upon him and seized him and smote him to the earth and stripped the coat of many colors which he had on. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And in the pit there was no water but serpents and scorpions. And Joseph was afraid of the serpents and scorpions that were in the pit. And Joseph cried out with a loud voice, and the Lord hid the serpents and scorpions in the sides of the pit, and they did no harm unto Joseph. And Joseph called out from the pit to his brethren and said unto them, What have I done unto you? And in what have I sinned? Why do you not fear the Lord concerning me? Am I not of your bones and flesh? And is not Jacob your father my father? Why do you this thing unto me this day? And how will you be able to look up to our father Jacob? And he continued to cry out and call unto his brethren from the pit and he said O Judah Simeon and Levi my brethren lift me up from the place of darkness in which you have placed me and come this day to have compassion on me ye children of the Lord and sons of Jacob my father and if I have sinned unto you are you not the sons of Abraham Isaac and Jacob if they saw an orphan they had compassion over him or one that was hungry, they gave him bread to eat. Or one that was thirsty, they gave him water to drink. Or one that was naked, they covered him with garments. And how then will you withhold your pity from your brother? For I am your flesh and bones, and I have, and if I have sinned unto you, surely you will do this on account of my father. And Joseph spoke those words from the pit, and his brethren could not listen to him, nor incline their ears to the words of Joseph. And Joseph was crying and weeping in the pit. And Joseph said, Oh, that my father knew this day the act which my brothers have done unto me, and the words which they have this day spoken unto me. And all his brethren heard his cries and weeping in the pit, and his brethren went and removed themselves from the pit, so that they might not hear the cries of Joseph and his weeping in the pit. Chapter 42. Uh, we got a minute before the break, so I'll wait. On chapter 42. So both uh, the Joshua account and the Targum account mention the serpents and the scorpions, which Genesis doesn't, uh -huh. doesn't tell you. Uh -huh. And uh, it's interesting that, you know, in the scriptures it also it says that we will trample on the serpents and the scorpions. Yeah. And so th this says it's the angel of the Lord. And, you know, m most of the time when we think of the angel of the Lord, we think of a pre-incarnate Yeshua. Right, but right. but the Targums specified that it was in fact uh, Gabriel. 
I think the Legends of the Jews does as well, if I'm if I'm correct on the account. Yeah, so I'm, I must have totally been uh, screwing up the the two stories and mixing up the the story where um, Satan appeared to Sarah, because for some reason I thought I read somewhere that uh, that that happened here, but I guess I was wrong. Uh, also, in the Testament of Job, we see that you know Satan continuously comes to his wife and uh, to the the different baker, uh, you know, as far as the woman that gave out the bread. Um, so, yeah, all of that as well. Censorship and regulation is becoming an ever-growing problem in today's modern media. From the mainstream to YouTube and Google, the information you're looking for is buried by official narratives and propaganda. This is why TFR is 100% uncensored, unregulated, and listener-supported. The shows on TFR are not micromanaged by the station, and our hosts are free to speak their minds however they please. As such, the views and opinions expressed on our station are of those who make them. If you happen to hear anything offensive on TFR, please send us an email to toughtitty at tfrlive.com and we'll be happy to tell you that we really don't give a damn. We stand for freedom of speech and non-censorship. If you also stand for free speech, you can go to tfrlive.com slash sign up and sign up for a TFR supporter pass and help us in our mission to keep the airwaves uncensored and unregulated. TFR Live, your uncensored and unregulated protection from deception. The House approves on Jack Callahan, Fox News, voting in favor of a special congressional investigation into what happened January 6th at the U.S. Capitol. Thirty-five Republicans joined every House Democrat to approve legislation creating a commission styled after a panel set up after the 9-11 terror attacks. Requires the same common action, both as Congress and as a country. House Homeland Security Committee Chairman Democrat Benny Thompson drafted the bill with top committee Republican John Katko. The January 6th attack was a completely preventable failure of intelligence, information sharing, decision making and preparedness. But Republican leadership opposes what they view as a slanted and unbalanced panel and too limited in scope. It's raising doubt the commission can advance in the 50-50 divided Senate. Fox's Jared Halperin, the Centers for Disease Control's guidance that the fully vaccinated don't need to wear masks any longer doesn't apply to members of the House. They voted down a Republican-sponsored resolution to lift their own mask mandate. Secretary of State Blinken has concluded a meeting with the Russian foreign minister in Iceland. The State Department calling it a frank discussion on how far apart the two countries are. On certain diplomatic issues, there was also talk of a possible summit meeting, but no further commitment toward one. The state of Texas has killed a killer, lethally injecting Quentin Jones. For the beating death of an 83-year-old family member more than two decades ago, it was the first state execution since July. Major League Baseball has recorded its second no-hitter in as many nights. A Yankees pitcher this time. Ground ball to Gleyber Torres, and that'll do it! A no-hitter for Corey Kluber! The call courtesy of the Yes Network as the Yankees shut out the Rangers 2 to nothing. Wall Street down again Wednesday. The Dow lost 163 points. The S&P 500 down 12. NASDAQ closing four points lower. America is listening to Fox News. 
Your protection from, from, from deception. This is Truth Frequency Radio. on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, and we are in the second hour of the broadcast. And, you know, I'm wondering if it was the show that we did uh, on my channel uh, two weeks ago, because that one uh, looks like it's not as long. It's an hour and 52 minutes. The other one was an hour and 56 minutes. So it's bothering me. I want to see if I can figure out what that was. Let me go back and see if I can listen to that here. Located above the firmament even now. Have you seen the new Godzilla versus King Kong movie that's out right now? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, just, well, I, I knew I wanted to watch it, so I went back and watched the, the other movies that lead up to it because there's a whole series of them. If, if you, if you want to watch them in, not in movie release order, order. but in the uh, timeline order, the chronology order, because um, uh-huh. they were released in a different order. But if you... If, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I, like, it was like, whoa, war, so, you know, early 70s. Uh, so you watch that one first, and then uh, then watch the new one, hinting at uh, Hollow Earth. And I won't ruin it for you, but in, in, this, cool. in this new movie... Uh, oh, that's cool. I'm thinking, yeah, they're probably... But I just, I was like, wow. So when people die okay. now, yeah, the, this you is know, if this... This is the question. Do you think that when people die now, that you know, if the saints that were dead went down to paradise, Abraham's bosom, that were liberated at the time of Yeshua's first ascension, uh-huh. that, and those are first fruits of the resurrection, that people are going there now, that like the story that Yeshua told of Lazarus and the rich man, do you think that that's still happening, or what do you think is happening to people when they die now? Yeah, that's the question, and and it cuts off like in ten seconds after I asked that question. So yeah, uh, since I missed it before, it's probably on your channel. But let's go ahead and uh, answer that here. You know that you know when Yeshua gave the parable of the of Lazarus and the rich man. Uh-huh. There's a understanding of you know paradise where Abraham and company were until the crucifixion and resurrection, and he brought up the first fruits of the resurrection. Uh, after the resurrection, do you think that people still go there, or are they automatically ushered into the presence of God, like Paul says, you know, absent from the body, present with the Lord kind of thing? I do believe that everybody is brought to judgment before the Most High, and then the the sins are weighed, and then if you are found lacking uh, or to be, you know, one that was a disbeliever or one that um, hates the Most High, then you are sentenced or uh, into Sheol. Um, but I believe that the righteous now go on to paradise where. Uh, Adam and his descendants are where Enoch and Elijah are um, and that you know the the gulf is separated uh, that 
paradise, New Jerusalem, is the home of the righteous, uh, and that Sheol, as it depicts in the whole theme uh, with Lazarus and the the rich man, um, that you know that is all separated. Um, I, I do believe that is separated now, and we see in a text called the Vision of Paul um, that chapters 12 through 25. It gives a detailed reference of what happens to a righteous man after death and also one that is a disbeliever uh, and one that, you know, did not live for uh, eternity or salvation and had no concern for the kingdom um, or helping the poor and, you know, uh, but was selfish and uh, focused on self gratification and all of that. And so. And I do believe that, you know, that is truthfully in depiction what happens after uh, moments of death and dying. And um, I did a, a show for people that would like to learn more and to hear the accounts, um, Moments After Death and Dying. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Just search Zen Garcia and it should come up for you. So, yeah, I've been... Uh, you know, I, I've interviewed Lex Meyer a few times uh, with his book Immortal, and uh, uh-huh. and I've been with him at some conferences talking about all this stuff. And he has some intriguing arguments, uh, the, sort of the soul sleep idea. Uh, but I've always you know, both uh, Enoch and uh, the parable of Yeshua with the the rich man and Lazarus has been a stumbling uh-huh. block for me to really accept what he's talking about but I mean we do have this issue of the last Trump that they'll be raised at the last has, yeah. a, has nothing to do yeah. with the US president but <laughs> that at the last Trump that uh, the dead will rise and I take that to mean our bodies will yes. will rise that our spirit you know what is, right. has already gone on uh, yes but th- that there's a resurrect a bodily resurrection that happens at the the last trump yeah i i fully agree with that and i think also that because uh, in one of the books that we put out called the medieval irish apocrypha um what is very interesting about a lot of these accounts is that they are visionary and they are like near-death experiences and that we see many times in the visions that are given and experienced by the prophets, uh, that is a theme. Um, you know, the whole near-death experience and what happens after uh, death and also judgment. Um, because, you know, for the people that buy into and accept reincarnation as, you know, the whole New Age philosophy and that uh, denies, um, you know, Hebrews 9, uh, 23, and that, you know, we live one lifetime and then judgment, um, that the whole theme of God, the gospel of Nicodemus and Adam and his descendants being caught up there and waiting for Yeshua to free them, and that the promise was given to him that he would indeed do so. Uh, it shows that they were not, you know, reincarnating lifetime after embodiment and taking on multiple physical uh, experiences and um, and coming back into flesh after uh, dying off and going, you know, they were literally waiting for him there. 
and the promises that were given to each and the uh, it, you know all that was shared right up until the time of his coming and um, and that was a prophecy that was fulfilled and looked for because it would not be until his descent and his bringing liberty to the captives that they would leave and be freed from the bondage of you know death oh death where is thy sting and so mm-hmm. um, yeah so I think those are important concepts to understand and uh, you know again for people that want to know more about the separation of spirit and our bodies being of dust that yes the dust does you know ashes to ashes dust to dust it does return back to the earth but the spirit uh, which is that portion of us which is part of the most high the our connecting link to the creator that we have an immortal aspect that can be redeemed and is uh, as long as you are a believer in Christ and that he truly is the way uh, the truth and the light and the life um, and so that is the promise is, is salvation through him eternity through him uh, and so that's why you know uh, those of us that know without a doubt that he rose again and ascended as was depicted and witnessed by you know not only the Roman soldiers who were paid to to lie and to tell it differently by the Jews um, there were so many accounts the whole world was witnessed to three hours of darkness and that there was a a significant supernatural event that occurred that the whole world was forced to reckon with and this had to do with the 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 murder of the Messiah you know that they truly did kill the Son of God as it was you know even depicted in um, the sacrifice of Isaac that that would all play out um, Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son which is completed in the Most High in Yahuwah and in uh, Yahushua as Yah's salvation, Emmanuel, God with us. You know the the Yahweh or Yodhevadhe. Behold the hand, behold the nail. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of it is so intriguingly interconnected, and uh, even the constellations, the Maseroth, depict the story of the Messiah. And so, yeah, it's a uh, without doubt and for people that still disbelieve or now that are you know those that are have gone the way of denying Paul and now denying Messiah mm-hmm. uh, read the Archico volume you know you, there's mm-hmm. so much eyewitness even Pontius Pilate writing his letters to Tiberius Caesar uh, Herod Caiaphas um, even Gamaliel going forth and speaking to Joseph and Mary and the shepherds in Bethlehem and how uh, so many supernatural occurrences were witnessed and testified to as to the coming of Messiah in both first and second incarnation and so mm-hmm. you know, without a doubt I, I believe if you do your research do your uh, introspection with open mind open heart it is undeniable uh, the historicity of Messiah that uh, you know, it's unquestionable uh, as to me. You know, yeah, agreed. And where I stand with it. Yeah, for sure. 
in uh, I've never read the Vision of Paul or some of those other ones. Uh, how similar are those to uh, Dante's Inferno? I always wondered, like, what was his inspiration? Was he just making it up, or did he have any kind of uh, ancient text that he was going off of when he wrote that? Are you aware of anything like that? Uh, I personally believe that what he wrote in Second Corinthians, that uh, that he had been taken to paradise, to the third heaven, that this book is an elaboration. And it even tells the story of how it was discovered that a person that ended up living in Paul's house was awakened by dreams over and over until he went and found um, what was a box that had this ancient manuscript preserved within it mm. and that he was then able to bring it forth and then you know that's the uh, how we get this particular account but I do believe that it is an elaboration of what Paul experienced when he speaks about whether I'm in the body or not you know uh, visionary yeah. Uh, the, his experience of the third heaven and paradise, and that he this is that particular account in greater detail, mm. and that you know uh, it also speaks about you know again what happens to a soul after life and death, being both righteous and wicked, and also goes into the city of God in New Jerusalem, and the landscape and the architecture, the tree of life. Hmm. Uh, in greater detail than any story out there and available out there. And it's really an incredible text. And in, in my belief in the way that I've read it and accept it, uh, I do believe it is a personal accounting of what Paul witnessed when he was taken, like Second Enoch and Enoch describing in visionary experiences, his travel up through the seven heavens. And also he you know, describes seeing paradise and the tree of life and how it was, um, you know, had bared a different fruit every month of the year and it's gold and vermilion leaves and all of this and the four rivers, uh, wine and honey and, uh, and milk and, um, you know, so all of that, I, I think you can't just make up, I mean, mm -hmm. all of that in greater detail, in my opinion. Uh, so Philip uh, Woodson was in the chat, and he said, if you read the fourth book of Ezra, it says, you are shown around for seven days led by an angel. You are shown your rewards and then laid to rest until judgment. Have, have you heard that Well, before? I think, that, again, that is the body, but that the spirit, uh, you know, to be absent from, uh, you know, the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, yeah, the body goes into the ground, um, but even you know again if you read the vision of Paul and there are others um, many even people that have had near-death experiences you know that mm -hmm. um, in the testimonies of so many thousands even tens of thousands uh, of individuals um, I believe shows that there is life and presence after death spiritual awakening and uh, reconciliation uh, yes, the body goes into the ground, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Um, but in my opinion, if you really examine the issue and look at it uh, with not just uh, you know the spiritual side of it as preserved within Scripture, but also the secular 
side of it, all these uh, doctors who really were atheists um, and then converted to a belief in some kind of having some kind of faith after, you know, trying to reconcile the, what was happening to their patients mm -hmm. and to the things that have been um, spoken about and told to them after their awakening that they had to in some manner accept the plausibility of what was being told to them mm -hmm. and because of that a lot of doctors have come to faith yeah so going back to my question earlier have you read dante's inferno the book yes i have and um so yes there you... is a correlation as far as you know the tartarus and the deepest level that um it in and i don't know if it's exactly in the vision of paul but there are those aspects which say that the giants and the fallen angels are held and bound in the lower levels uh even in you know i think it's in uh, jude or second peter where that exact thing is made mention mm -hmm. about the angels that sinned that went after strange flesh that yeah. you know they are found in tartarus which again is the deepest portion of what is sheol the 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 deeper levels and we see in dante's inferno that it is the giants that are held also in the the deepest aspects. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I've had in recent uh, months had a few people asking me my thoughts on uh, cremation, and uh -huh. um, you know, I I don't. My answer was I don't see any biblical prohibition against it. Uh, right. I yeah. my, myself personally don't care for the idea. Um, you know, that's just me. I, I just don't really like that idea, but, um, I don't see any biblical prohibition to it. Have you had people asking you about that or do you, has it ever come up? Um, uh, yeah, actually I have. And, and like you, um, you know, what the, I think the reason that, uh, the body is put in the ground, uh, is not only to prevent disease and to keep you know um, the smell from festering but also to feed the worms and the insects and the other animals that live mm -hmm. off of carcasses that you know the way to uh, keep disease and uh, death you know sickness associated to death from um, affecting living beings is by you know putting and burying or you know the way that um, the you know the Vikings or even the people in India yeah. now they yeah. they burn a, a corpse until you know there's nothing left and I don't see um, the you know I don't see a prohibition on either way I think what's more important um, is and it does show that even in the story of Tobit how he was burying the dead and then you know doing the rites and trying to give them um, proper burial in the sense that they were prayed over. Uh, I, I think, again, that's linked to the spiritual side of an aspect of uh, life after death and that even our prayers now, I, I believe, um, and especially the prayers of saints and the children born of saints, uh, it says in the Apocalypse of Peter and other manuscripts that uh, those prayers are deeply effective um, in you know the those that have already gone on. And so we should most certainly pray for the the dead of our ancestors and our lineage that you know have gone on especially if you are 
uncertain about their salvation and you you know um, if they were not exactly um, you know, good people or whatever that we should most certainly pray for them and that the most high accepts and um, you know that they are not in a place of suffering so mm-hmm. yeah you know uh the thought just occurred to me that you know we say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Um, I, I don't necessarily see that exact quote in scripture, but we do see in Ecclesiastes three twenty, where it says, "All go to one place; all are from the dust, and to dust all return." So uh-huh. you know, there's the concept of you know ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yeah. So you know, I mean, as you were saying that, I, I was like, yeah, what's the difference? Because uh, if you're burned, you're burned to ashes. If you uh, right. if you're buried, well, I mean, you're gonna get eaten by worms and bacteria. So either way, right. you, you know, you, you you return to dust, you know, effectively. Right. Um. So yes. you know that actually kind of puts my mind a little bit at ease. Not I don't you know maybe it's just a phobia or whatever. I don't know. I've just the, the idea of cremation never set well with me. But you know, just thinking about worms and bacteria and you know, critters just <laughs> eating you away to nothing and then pooping you out because <laughs> you're going to either it's like you either burn up or you get pooped out of bacteria <laughs> you know one way or another you're good and worms you're going to go to dust unless you spend ten thousand dollars on get, a casket that prevents anything from being able to get to you yeah or get uh, cryogenically frozen or something like that <laughs> yeah right exactly. you know my thing because there, the people have written to me or called me and they're genuinely concerned about it you know like like uh-huh. is it biblical or not i'm like well, I, i'm i'm at least i am not personally aware of any prohibition you know it, it don't burn your children to moloch yeah sure that that that's Right, yeah. That's something different. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Uh offering sacrifices to false gods is not the same thing as, you know, being cremated in the 20th century, 21st century, you know, or a Viking death for that matter. Yeah. I think people should most certainly be more concerned with their spirit. Yeah, for sure. Eternity and salvation through Christ than what's going to happen to their body. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like Ecclesiastes said, dust you shall return. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if the if the question is in the resurrection, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they get cremated. That you know, like, I want my ashes spread over, you know, Lake Michigan or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, whatever their 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 dream is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he is certainly able to pull it all back together again. I mean, <laughs> right? You know, and will and yes. will, yeah. It, you know, whatever Absolutely. happens, he is still able to reassemble you and uh, reconnect you with your spirit in a new body. Anyway, yes. So, you know, hopefully that helps some people out there. I know that, uh, you know, some people are genuinely concerned about it. And, you know, that's just sort of been my take on it. Yes. Yes, again, just I think the emphasis should be on the spirit and also eternity through Christ's mm-hmm. salvation and, and, you know, forevermore. Because that's, that's the more important aspect, in my opinion, of you know, our being here and the reasons for um, our, the deeper meanings and reasons for our our being here, who we are, why we are, what all this is truly about. Yeah, one of my moderators, Melanie, said, I just don't want my death to be an expense to my children. And that's a legitimate concern right there. Uh, yes. You know, yeah, cremation is quite a bit cheaper. Uh, I mean, when Sheila's dad died, I mean, it's like, it's like something like $10,000 to right. just yeah, to, I mean, and, and that's not a 
a frill, you know, all frills and stuff like that. I mean, it's just a pretty basic right. casket and burial. It's a lot of money yeah. to die, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I think I that that's part of the concerns people have is, you know, you know, if they're looking like they might die and they don't want to pass the expense on to their children and they say, well, you know, I don't want to go through, you have, you'd have to go through all that expense so just have me cremated. I, I think that that's where a lot of those discussions come up. Yeah, is, is and I, those hurt? are very legitimate concerns, especially with people, you know, so many suffering and the uncertainty of these times and, um, you know, so many people living beyond their means and acquiring debt so much that, you know, and debt is now passed on uh, to I generations. Know. Crazy. They're trying to, yeah, force, uh, you know, the, the children to assume and to uh, make right all of that debt. And so, yeah, these are most certainly legitimate concerns. Yeah. we got about a minute and a half before we go to break. Uh, I posted something on Facebook uh, late last night that – in my Archon Invasion research, I had become quite thoroughly convinced that DNA is, in fact, the book of life. And uh, I was uh -huh. kind of surprised to see that secular scientists have even actually referred to DNA with that exact phrase, the, the book of life. And I'm like, well, if it is, in fact, the book of life, then those letters were very specifically, precisely placed and arranged exactly the way Yahuwah wanted them right. for all right. the creatures that he created and plants and everything. Um, and so rearranging the letters or changing the letters, I, you know, like what's happening with this little thing that some people want us to take, um, you know, that's messenger RNA rewrites DNA. That's not going to go well, in my opinion. No. Nah. I agree. Uh, and I think that's part of uh, the whole process that Satan is trying to, um, you know, even adding aborted fetal tissue as a uh, an ingredient in food for flavoring, mm. that he's trying to involve us in abomination without our, un, you know, our willingness or even our knowing. Uh, and so... He's attacking us on all levels, and the vaccines are part of the agenda, as we've been covering, you know, speaking about for so long. So people really need to consider what they're doing when they are lining up for those shots. Big time. It's amazing how people have been raving about Aya Life all over Facebook. They've been posting their testimonials just because they want to get the word out because it's worked so well for them. If you're not familiar with Aya Life, it's a 99% pure CBD oil. But the secret is the synergy between the hemp and the ayahuasca vine, the non-psychoactive component of the ayahuasca tea. We recently received an email from a wife whose husband has Parkinson's. For the first time, he's been able to sleep through the entire night. Another customer reported that they're no longer using NSAIDs because their tennis elbow has been relieved with Aya Life. The reports have been phenomenal and much more than we ever expected. Everyone should have access to this. That's why if you head on over to ayalife.com right now and use coupon code TFR, 
we'll give you $5 towards your order. And we'll even ship it worldwide. That's ayalife.com. A-Y-A, life.com. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule. It's a great product. And the one thing I, I like about it the most is that when you open the bottles, you can smell like the, the scent of the fruits and veggies. It's no genius thing to it. It's really just fruits and veggies, which everyone needs. And they kind of, you guys kind of put it in a way where you can take it easy and you can get it and it's natural. And, and that's what I like about it. You know, I like the product and, uh, I've taken it and, and it's, it's definitely made me feel a lot better. You know, I am a healthy person to begin with. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's definitely good prevention and, uh, it's definitely gives me energy and I feel like it's a natural thing. I like it. I really do. For a limited time, use discount code TALK to receive a 50% discount on your first preferred whole health system and have it shipped to you free. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go online to balanceofnature.com. Again, use discount code TALK. Hi, I'm Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. In early 2012, I was facing a laundry list of chronic health conditions that my physician was telling me were incurable. I knew there had to be a better way, and I learned how I could reverse every one of my ailments with science-based, clinically verified medical nutrition. In just a few months, I was able to reverse high blood pressure, gastric reflux, sleep apnea, arthritis, degenerative disc disease, heart arrhythmia, AFib, and many more. And I've lost over 70 pounds and kept it off. Now I'm hosting a radio program that's dedicated to helping my listeners do the same. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you're sick of being used as an ATM by your doctor, then you'll want to tune in to the Your DIY Health radio program here on Truth Frequency Radio every Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern and 6 to 8 a.m. Pacific. Real people, real radio. Initiating the truth frequency. This is Truth Frequency Radio. We're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, and we are in the final half-hour segment of the broadcast. I'm talking with my guest and co-host, Zen Garcia. And uh, right before the break, we were rabbit-trailing all over the place, <laughs> talking about all kinds of stuff not really related to uh, the portion of Genesis <laughs> that we've been going over. But, I, you know, I don't know. It's just some of the interesting things that uh, have been coming up lately. Um uh, and not to go down another deep rabbit trail, uh, but in regards to the post that I did on Facebook, several people um, posted pictures and memes and stuff of the the name of God in our DNA as Yah. Have you seen that? Uh. Uh-uh. Um. Yeah. It's it's an interesting. It looks like some sort of code that very clearly looks like a Y and an A and an H. And 
the caption under it says the picture above is the DNA breakdown of humans. Is that a coincidence? Yah is one of the most ancient names for Yahuwah, Elohim, God that exists. The picture is the DNA breakdown of humans. Could uh, but this shall be the covenant that I will cut with the house of Israel after those days, says Yahuwah. I will put my Torah in their inward parts and write it on their hearts, and I will be their Elohim, and they will be my people. Uh, cool. They're saying that the hidden name of the Creator is in our DNA, and the URL, which I haven't read yet, but the URL that they had posted was delightfulknowledge.com forward slash hidden dash name dash of dash creator dash in dash your dash DNA. So awesome. Definitely gonna have that to look, awesome. look into that. It wouldn't surprise me. Put it that way. Um, no, not at all. Yeah, that. You know, and it, it, this the, the thought occurred to me last night. Like, why are people's names blotted out? And I was thinking, look, you and I both we're we're published authors. None of us like to be misquoted, and I'm sure no published author would like somebody rewriting what they've written without their consent you know and so if I picked up one of my books that I published and saw stuff in there that I didn't write what would I do I'd take a sharpie to it I'd blot it out that's not what I said that's not what I meant that's not what I wrote and Uh you know that's what made me think is like this is getting really serious really dangerous I don't know that this current iteration that's out and about right now is the end all be all to be worried about but it's certainly a trial run and it's it's starting the process of rewriting the book, and uh-huh. I like I don't know how much more serious it can be. And you know, many of us, I myself included, we have relatives that have done it, and uh, you know, I I'm fearful for them. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna come right out and say it is the mark of the beast. I don't know. That's but but what did we think it was gonna be? I mean. When this thing comes out and when Yeshua was approached by the disciples and they say, you know, what's it going to be like, you know, when you come back? The first thing he says is don't be deceived. First thing he right. says, be not deceived. Yeah. First words that come out of his mouth, uh, which means you could be. I mean, for yes. you know, uh, Paul warns the same thing, you know, let, let no man deceive right. you. Um, right. So... Some people think where it says that in so much that they that the uh, it could the great deceptions would be so great that even the elect could be deceived by it, they would say, "See, that means that we can't be deceived." No, <laughs> it's going to be so great that even the elect could be deceived. That's why he began the the story with, "Let no man deceive you. Be not deceived." I mean, you hear that repeatedly, you know, from various people in the Bible, that would say to me that it is very possible for us to be deceived. So. You know, I, I don't believe that it is something, the mark of the beast is something that is going to be, like, hold you down, forced onto you. It's something you make a choice to, to accept. But the pressure to do so is going to be enormous. You know, the, the social, geopolitical uh, peer pressure is going to be everywhere you look to get it. You know, that's why it requires... And, and right. I, I fear for my brothers and sisters who, you know, uh, who are really sold on the pre-trib rapture thing because... And I remember when I was in that camp myself that the mindset is, well, yeah, I don't need to worry about that stuff. I'm not going to be here. Well, what if you are? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, this may be a trial run for both sides. You know, the the bad guys uh-huh. may be ramping up and learning from this experience. And the good guys, this may be a test. Are you going to cave right. to peer pressure? 
Are you going to do it just because, you know, you're, uh, a white robe priest told you to, you know, uh, or friends and family or coworkers told you to? Or are you going to take a stand and say, you know what, this is my temple that was made in the image and likeness of Yahuwah who wrote the book of life. I'm not going to mess around with his sentences. Right. Yeah, it says uh, not to, you know, change any jot or tittle. And it also speaking about this strong delusion because that even the very elect could be deceived should it be possible and speaking about uh, because they have no love of the, the truth. truth. Yeah. And, you know, truth is a very important factor uh, for consideration in connection to the end time and to deception and strong delusion. And so, you know, things like people saying, oh, well, biblical cosmology, well, what does it matter? It is absolutely mm -hmm. connected with truth and also with a delusion that the enemy is trying to utilize to set the world up for belief that they are coming from way out there mm -hmm. and that they're coming to save us and that they as the ancient aliens that all these shows and programs are leading people into believing mm -hmm. and accepting in mindset that they are the ones that created us and that you know that creation uh, just randomly occurred because of the planet being in the Goldilocks zone you know that every star out there is a sun that has a planetary system possibly in revolution around it as our so-called solar system uh, does and so truth is very important in the whole teaching you know grade school evolution the model that we evolved of monkeys and apes and because that missing link can't be found oh, it's got to be the aliens you know all this is so intricately connected and even the Sumerian teachings which are uh, you know 6,000 years old said to be 6,000 years old they have built into that model even the Enuma Elish the ancient creation story solar system an account of that planet getting caught by the net force the gravity of these outer planets which is a complete fabrication because mm -hmm. there are no other planets the earth has no curvature it's not moving it's not spinning and so all these ideas are propaganda which has been put into place for specific reason and that reason has to do with swaying the beliefs of, I believe, the final, that remote and distant generation that Enoch spoke about uh, in setting up what is the reign, the coming reign of the Antichrist. And so truth is very important in regard to all of that. Yeah, amen. And, you know, a, a big part of that whole thing was, are you going to believe me or not? You know, right? Yeah. What his exactly. word, what his word says, and and I was thinking about that last night too. That 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 whole thing might have been a big litmus test too, because there's so many things coming, so many things coming that no matter right. how outrageous things may seem in the scriptures, are you going to believe him or not? Right. Because right. I, and that's what I you know I, I, many people have heard me say this you know for the first 
year and a half or so from 2015 to 2016, that was what I kept hearing when I was crying out to God about what's the truth uh-huh. here. And he's like, look, I said what I said, you know, are you going to believe it? You know, uh, that, you know, no matter the cost, and there was significant cost, <laughs> especially oh, yeah. in the early days. I mean, fathers redeemed it all, right. you know, but it was rough, you know, the first couple of years, two, three years. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, yeah, I'm going to believe you. You know, I will believe you. I do believe you. And I'm going to take a stand on what it says. And, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but it, at least in my life, it's it's one challenge after another. It's like, okay, you got through that one. You ready for the next one? No, no, I don't want another. <laughs> you know, like how much more are there? You know, it seems right. like it, there's a never-ending, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. ongoing, uh, you know, testing. But you know, I, I just looking around at, at how things are rapidly accelerating all around us, with all kinds of yes. different uh, things going on socially and politically and whatever is are we going to believe him or not i mean that's what it comes down to right. uh, on everything yeah absolutely yeah you know and again the whole theme of um the, the evolution and scientism is to put doubt into people's minds as to the truth of god's word and then if you can uh you, you can create an inkling of doubt in a, a person of faith um, then you know what else do you doubt in regard to the scripture? You know, um, so many things, and, and there's a lot of things in the in the word that seems so crazy, bizarre, supernatural uh, that if people are doubting one thing or another, I mean, how much do you really believe as far as the truth of the word? Uh, for me, it's 100% uh, prophetic, without a doubt, uh, inspired, and portrays the, you know, the that the Creator uh, is in fact the author of the Scriptures, and that the prophets were uh, ordained and inspired by the Holy Spirit to reveal what they have revealed. Yeah, Amen. Uh, well, we got about 15 minutes, so uh, we can switch back over to Genesis 38 and this was the first time I had ever I mean I've been studying the books of Moses but you know I was looking for Nephilim and Nimrod and all that kind of stuff when I was doing that I mean <laughs> that's where you go right I mean, that's where it's, it's recorded right. and you know de- dealing with creationism versus evolution so you know I'd spent a lot of time in the books of Moses for all those reasons but um, it was Black Friday, 2009, I believe, that I uh, was sitting in the, my car in the parking lot of Fry's Electronics, and I just felt this heavy weight sitting on top of me, you know, and I didn't know what it was. And just, I don't really like Black Friday. Yeah, you get a lot of good deals and stuff, but there was just a spirit about it, you know, that uh, here you have Thanksgiving. Everybody's so thankful. The next day, you know, everybody's killing each other for Tickle Elmo yeah. or whatever. You know, and so I'm sitting there just... Trampling, fighting. Yeah, it's horrible. And I, I was just sitting in my car, like, crying out to God. And I'm like, I don't know what this feeling is, but I don't like it. And, and he really impressed upon me that I need to have somebody pray with me. So I go through my contact list of my phone, and my thumb scrolling there kind of ended on my friend Kevin Roberts. So I'm like, yeah, I'll call Kevin. So I called him, and he prayed with me. And he said, hey, listen, uh, his wife's Amanda. He said, Amanda and I, we're going to a Torah study tomorrow at the Christian bookstore. You want to go? And Sheila and I have been in a, in a drought 
when it comes to churches for almost three years at that point. Uh, it's like every church we went to was like a milkshake bar, you know. <laughs> yeah, just we weren't getting fed anywhere we went, you know. And so we were uh-huh. at that time we were just doing church on the pillow. <laughs> That's what we called it. We're just we'd lay right. in lay in bed and you know look for something online to listen to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here it is Black Friday. My friend Kevin invites me and Sheila to go with he and his wife to a Torah study on Shabbat on Saturday the next morning, and at the Christian bookstore. So we go there, and this was the Torah portion right here. It was the Torah portion that dealt with uh, Genesis thirty-seven and thirty-eight. And oh, right here it is in 38, where, well, the first thing that the guy who was facilitating, his name is Michael, he said, uh, draw a line down the center, you know, we had notebook paper, draw a line down the center of your page, and write Joseph on the left and Yeshua Jesus on the right. And just uh-huh. off the top of your head, come up with as many parallels that you can think of between the life of Joseph and, and Yeshua. Now... I was aware that there were parallels, but I had never intentionally sat down and listed them or you know really thought about it much until that day. And so just off the top of my head, I came up with 25 parallels between Joseph and Yeshua. And everybody else, they had however, however many they came up with. And you know many of us had the same ones, but others had ones I didn't have. And I had some that others didn't have. And all said and done, it was probably about 50 of them, 40, 50 uh, parallels. And I was like, wow. And then we get to this chapter right here that I'm about to read, where Judah marries a Canaanite, and and uh, our, our, um, uh, and whether or not Tamar was a Canaanite. And uh-huh. uh, yes, he, Judah married a Canaanite, but was Tamar a Canaanite? That was an assumption. And I, half the class was like, well, yeah, she, she was a Canaanite. And I was adamant, no way. Because you know, right. it's, it's through Tamar, we have ancestry that leads to Yeshua. Yes. And I'm like, there's no way there's Canaanite in Yeshua. I was, so it caused me to dig deeper than I've dug in a long time. And, and I found it in the book of Joshua that sure enough that Tamar was of the house of Shem, uh, living yeah. in the land of Canaan, but of the house of Shem. And I was like, oh. So I couldn't wait to get back to class uh, the next week. And from that point on, we were we were hooked. Uh, we were, you know, we've we right been used to drinking milk for so long that this was like a steak dinner finally, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So uh, this uh, this portion holds a special place in my heart because it's what really started the whole thing for for Sheila and I. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, this whole question was big for me too, and in, in writing the the Rod of Wonder. Yeah. Um, that whole manuscript. Yeah, I mean, this is the value in looking at these other texts because they elaborate, and yeah, you know how many times have we said that, right? right? So. Right. Uh, I'll go ahead and read the King Jimmy here. Uh, and it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adullamite, whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. And he took her and went in unto her. And this is interesting, too, because uh, Genesis 37 is about Joseph being sold into slavery. And Genesis 39 picks up the story of Ju- Joseph being caught in slavery. But it's like... Meanwhile, elsewhere, <laughs> uh-huh, you right. know, it's like that. It, this is just inserted like right there in the in the Joseph story, and I think that's significant. I think there's a there's a big reason for it. I, I don't pretend to know exactly uh-huh. what it is, except to say that this is important, and it's inserted right in between the the Joseph story here. Yeah, I think uh, really quickly. I think one of the reasons it is important because it has to do with the passing down of both the garments of power and the rod of uh, wonder and how they were taken back from Judah 
because of his marrying Canaanite women oh. and was passed on to Joseph. And so we see that Joseph was uh, and received the initiation into the order of Melchizedek. Um, mm. And that this led to Ruel and then led to Moshe as well. Nice. Uh, and he, she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah. And he was at Chezeb. When she bore him, and Judah took a wife of for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. So there's this is the assumption that she's a Canaanite here. And uh-huh. Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Now he was wicked. It didn't say he did wicked. It said he was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And I'm like, well, he married a Canaanite, so the offspring of marrying a Canaanite would be a Canaanite. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. at least a half breed. You know, with with Judah, and it says right. that he was wicked in the eyes of the Lord, and so right. Yahuwah slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, "Go in unto your brother's wife and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother." This was a tradition in those days. You know, if uh, one died, the brother uh, was to take up the the wife to to uh, raise up offspring. So it was tradition there. And Onan knew that. The seed should not be his. And it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. So th- this is the, the sin of Onan that many a Sunday school teacher will try to tell people, you know, that masturbation is evil and it's going to kill you. God's going to wipe you out. <laughs> That's not what was going on here. What was going on here right. was he was not honoring what was, I mean, this was a thing you had to do for your, you know, uh-huh. to bear seed for your brother, you know, offspring right. for your brother. Uh, and, and that was what was wickedness uh, right here. And the thing which he did displeased Yahuwah before he slew him also. The thing he did, he, it says, lest he uh-huh. should give seed to his brother. That's what he was doing right there. Uh, now, uh-huh. I'm not saying, you know, the other things go for it and all that stuff. I'm just saying that what they usually right. Right. preach on this is way out of context for what's being said here. Right. Then, uh, then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, "Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown, for he said, lest peradventure he die also, as his brethren did." And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Uh, so he wasn't old enough to be married off to her. So he's, she's like, hang out right. and wait for him to grow up. In the process of time, uh-huh. the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was com- comforted and went up unto his sheep shearers to Timnah, he and his friend Hira the Adullamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnah to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place which is by the way to Timnah for she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given unto him to wife Judah's like afraid he's man being with her he's I've lost two sons to her already now she's used goods I mean she's got no other hope for her life really if she ever wants to be a wife except for this uh-huh. and Judah's holding out on her so Sheila my wife Sheila calls this operation leverage <laughs> what she did right here like 
which is kind of an indictment on Judah's character here because when Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot. So he's like, yeah, hey, let's go. Because right. she had covered her right. face. And he turned unto her by the way and said, go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, what wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, wilt thou give me a pledge till thou send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet and thy bracelets and thy staff that is in thine hand. And he gave it her and came in unto her, and she conceived by him. And she arose and went away and laid by her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend the Dolomite to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he found her not. And he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of the place said that there was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. And it came to pass about three months later that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot, and also... Behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, am I with child? And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these? The signet, the bracelet, and the staff. And Judah acknowledged them and said, uh, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shelah my son. And he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand, and the midwife took it and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first. And it came to pass as she drew, as he drew back his hand that, behold, his brother came out. And she said, How hast thou broken forth? His breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Therese. And afterward came out his brother, that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zera. Interesting story. <laughs> yes, and when um, we do uh, next week, I'll go into it a little more in depth, and it gets even more intriguing, especially when you tie the staff that is the Rod of Wonder that Moshe uses uh, to the story, and also you know to the fact that she was a prophetess and was promised by the Most High that she would bear the children that would lead to the line of the Messiah. Yeah. And so. Yeah. yeah. It's a a wild story. Um, It really is. All the more so when you add the the Rod of Wonder and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. To it uh, that that I had not been aware of that uh, your your research has brought out. I, um, I wrote a blog on this. Uh, back in uh, had to have been 2011. Uh, if people are interested, they could go to BabylonRisingBlog.com, BabylonRisingBlog.com, and scroll down to uh, the blog. It says "Building a Pure Nation," and uh, I get into Operation Leverage and what the importance of all that was. Uh, it's a pretty lengthy blog, as you can see here, so people can check that out. And what's the resource where you uh, talk about the Rod of Wonder and all that? Uh, it is the garments of, or the vestures of light and the rod of wonder. Um, it's my 36th book. It's oh, actually the 34th because I wrote the two on the 
pre-Adamites and the antediluvian world, the dragon lords and the antediluvian kings after that one. Um, but I finished it in time for the conference and presented on it. So there is, um, if you go to the End Time Mysteries Revealed, the Sacred Word Revealed conference, I also presented on this story. But um, I'll go into this because this is just one of the chapters, one of the portions of the fullness of the story of the garments of power and the rod of wonder from Adam to the return of Messiah in Revelation 19.13. Uh, it's a very intriguing story. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. So we'll kick off, kick off next week's show on your channel uh, going into this detail in, in more detail. Of course, you can also start with the Targum version of uh, Genesis yes. 38. Yeah. And, um, we'll do that. That'll set it up because it is mentioned in there as well. Oh, very cool. Awesome. All right, my friend. Another great show. All right, show. brother. Be blessed. You too. Yeah, thank you. Great show. Thank you so much. And thank you guys. We'll see you back next week on the Revolutionary Radio Project. Good night, everybody. Good night, all. Come on.